Again, welcome back. We are going to jump right into the book of Esther, Esther chapter 2. Last week, uh, we talked about the king as he, we opened chapter 2. The king was remembering Vashti and, and we was regretting some of the things that had happened. He was reminded that there was more to his decree and uh, all the fair young virgins were sought and brought into Shushan the palace. And we also uh, met Mordecai and Esther, Jews that uh, were still living in Shushan the palace. And were, uh, Esther is this week going to be taken in and presented in front of the king. Um, but we also understand that, well, this week we're going to see how Esther fares in her beauty pageant. Um, that she has become involved in and uh, hopefully answer the question of will she bring world peace. Uh, so Esther chapter 2, we're going to start in verse number 8. Esther chapter 2 and verse number 8, the Bible says, So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace to the custody of Hegai, Hegai, he, yeah, that guy, uh, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her her things for purification, with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maidens unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now, when every maiden's turn was come to go in to the king Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of the women, for so were the days of their purification, purifications accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of the women, then thus came every maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned unto the second house of the women to the custody of Sheashgaz, <clears throat> the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but that what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto the king Ahasuerus into his house, or into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. The king, <clears throat> sorry, then the king made a great feast unto all the princes and his servants, even Esther's feast. He made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Again, we thank you for leaving your word for us, Lord, for preserving it for us for all these years for loving us so much that you have given us an instruction manual to serve you, to live for you. So God, I pray that we would heed it today, that we would 
read and understand, hear and know what you would have for us. So God, please guide and direct today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here we have the rise of Esther. All the fair fair young virgins were gathered from all the provinces of King Ahasuerus and Esther was brought in. We don't know, again, if Esther volunteered to go or if she was commanded to go by Mordecai or if she was just taken. Uh, we know that Sarah, Abraham's wife, back in the book of Genesis, was just taken by the princes of Egypt to be presented to Pharaoh. Um, there was no discussion there. She was just taken. Uh, of course, God guided and directed and all of that and, and got her back to Abraham and kept everything pure and clean. But uh, we do know that this happened, and we do know that the king uh, placed that authority on himself to be able to do those things. But we do know uh, that in all of this, Esther is right in the middle. Now, I can't say that if Esther had been in, hadn't been in Jerusalem, or had been in Jerusalem where she was supposed to be, that she wouldn't be in the same spot. We know that Mordecai and Esther uh, had the opportunity to go back to Jerusalem, to go back to the promised land uh, under several other kings. They had been chosen to stay here in Shushan the palace. They had, uh, I believe that Mordecai had chosen to stay here in a life that he'd become accustomed to. And uh, that because of that, Esther is in uh, a lot of the situation that she's in. But Jerusalem was still part of the kingdom. It was still under control of the king, and she would have been sought even there in Jerusalem and could have possibly been brought in. But I can say that it would have been much more obvious which side she stood on at this point. Right now, we don't know where Esther stands. We remember the book of Esther has, there's no mention of God in the book of Esther. The very... uh, fine thread or very very small detail that could even be considered to be about God is when uh, Esther prays and or asks Mordecai and the Jews to fast and that her and her maidens will fast. And that's only because that time of fasting always included a time of prayer to God. But those are the only mentions anywhere in the whole book. So we don't know where she stands. We don't know if she's a devout Jew. We don't know if she's uh, a worldly Jew. We, we have n- no other information about her other than the fact that she has now been taken in uh, to the king's palace. She has now been brought into the middle of all of this beauty pageant. But the thing that we have to remember here is that oftentimes, even when we are where we're supposed to be and doing what we're supposed to be doing, we still are placed in situations that are not good. So it very well could be that if she had been in Jerusalem where she was supposed to be, serving God the way she was supposed to be, being a proud Jew the way that she was supposed to be, that she would have been brought in and been put into this position and still had to have dealt with all of this. I talked about it just briefly uh, a little bit, but uh, an example of this in real life. I was in bed Friday night, late Friday night, early Saturday morning, right around midnight, and uh, got woke up by Abby. She's terrified because somebody is outside uh, trying to get into our cars, trying to get into our house. And uh, so she wakes me up and I come down in the fashion that you all would understand that I would come down in and met a young man at the front door who was completely intoxicated. Um, Had no idea exactly where, I mean, he, he knew that he was in Maxwell, but he didn't know where he was at. 
He looked like he'd been in an accident. He had blood on his face in several places, covered head to toe in, in dirt. It looked like he had probably walked from uh, uptown at the local establishment and had had very intimate uh, dealings with several of the bushes on the way here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was where I was supposed to be. I was at home, in bed, resting, preparing for the next day. There was no other place that I was supposed to be at this point, yet trouble came to me. And we understand that sometimes that happens. But we also need to understand the other side of this. After a few minutes, I was able to to understand who he was, where he needed to be, where he could go to be safe. I understood that he was not an immediate threat and was able to take him home and get him reunited with people that would take care of him and get him safe. So while trouble came, it came because God saw fit to allow him to come to me. He very well could have come to any of these other houses, and he probably tried several, and they either ignored him, or there's a good chance that several of these people, he might have been put in some very bad danger for the time of day and the things that were happening. But God used all of that to get him back to where he needed to be. Unfortunately, I didn't feel like he was in a position to where I could actually speak to him uh, and have him understand. So I left it that he was safe and uh, I know the family. So we will, I'll try and follow up with them and, and understand and make sure things are okay there. But we understand this through Esther and you you, I'm sure you've already read the book and you know and understand what happens. That even though Esther and Mordecai have made some choices that are not necessarily the greatest choices, that are not necessarily the choices that God would really want them to make, God is going to allow them to be a huge part of saving Israel. And God is going to work in the bad. We need to, under, to remember that God is in control of every situation. that Esther could have still ended up in the same place she was from Jerusalem, but she ended up here much easier because she was in Shushan. She was in the place where the king was. But even in this, God is in control, and he can use these bad decisions for good. And as Esther's brought in, we immediately see that there's something different. Something different is happening. The Bible tells us that she found favor as she was presented to the king's chamberlain, he he had favor upon her. He saw, um, uh, verse number 8, So it came to pass, when the king king's command and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Hegai, the, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Hegai, the keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, And he speedily gave her her things for purification with such things as belonged to her and seven maidens which were to meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maidens unto the best place of the house of the women. All of this is listed because it's different than what has happened before. This man saw something different in Esther and he immediately began to serve her and promote her above all others. Now, it could very well be that he looked on her and she was stunningly beautiful and he wanted to be the one that would present her to the king and get some kind of 
of benefit from it. it. That could very well be what it is. But we know that in all of this, even as she goes in before the king, that she finds favor in, in the eyes of all those that meet her. There's something different about Esther. We, we don't know what it is. We will never know exactly what it is. But there's something different. The key here, though, is this doesn't mean that it's done by God. Now, we know the story, and we can see after all of this that God's hand worked through all of it. But at this point, we don't know for certain that this is God working. Because Satan does the same things. Satan will grease the wheels for you to go downhill just as much as God will grease the wheels for you to go uphill. I've seen many Christians pray about things that they're going to do and, and but they're they're praying in the wrong way. They're praying selfishly and they're looking for signs from God that are that are easily obtained. And then they get into something and all the when they start, things are great. Things are perfect. They're getting promotions and they're 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 getting you know, they're making more money, they're doing all of these things and then they find out they're in that snare that we talked about earlier. The, the those prey animals they go in and, and they, they think, oh, I found this pile of my favorite food right here out in the middle of nowhere that's never been here before. Must be my lucky day. And then all of a sudden they're caught in a trap. So this very well could be Satan trying to get in and, and make sure that Esther and Mordecai can't do anything trying to make an inroad to continue to destroy the Jew. So we have to be weary of all these things. And this is why it is so important for us to seek God in all these decisions. You see, if Esther and Mordecai had been where they were supposed to be, if they had been in Jerusalem, and they had been serving God, and been openly serving God as Jews, then they would know better what God's dealing is in all of this. We would know better what God's dealing is in all of this. Yet, we're still very foggy on all of this. And we see some more evidence as we go on that Mordecai it tells us that, that Esther has not shown her kindred because Mordecai had commanded that she didn't. She's not said, hey, I'm a Jew. And, and I find this revealing for a couple of things. One, it, it I guess not revealing, but interesting in a fact that we don't know, it could be that if she was a Jew, she'd be disqualified. Because the Jews were, were captives. They were not seen as equal. So it could be that as a Jew, as, a, as a, essentially a slave, she would have been disqualified from being in this position. From ever even being considered to become the queen. So we, we don't know here, is, she, is Mordecai ashamed? 
We know that Esther is being obedient. The Bible tells us that she's being obedient to her father figure, as any child should be. But I would also point out that the Bible also teaches us that we are only to obey those that have authority over us as long as they are doing things that are godly. You go back to the book of Acts and you see Peter and John uh, going in and teaching in the temple and, and then they're, they're taken and put in prison and, and commanded to never teach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ again. And as soon as they're released, they go out and begin teaching in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ again. Rome had authority over them. The Sanhedrin had authority over them. The priests had authority over them. Yet, they were doing ungodly things. So they were, these two men are supposed to follow God. And they say, should we follow God or man? So, uh, again, we see some good things and we see some bad things. We see Esther, she's obedient. However, if she was truly a proud Jew, uh, a, a Jew that was serving God, she would not have any shame in proclaiming that. She would know and understand that that was her duty. We're not told for certain why Mordecai wants to hide all this. But we understand that there's a reason. This command could simply be for her protection. It could be that, that uh, he knows and understands that there are people that hate the Jews that would just as soon see her dead than anything else. But we don't know. But the thing is, Mordecai, we've already seen and believe that he's really grown accustomed to his surroundings. That he doesn't want to be back where God wants him to be. You know, they say the best way to cook a frog is you don't throw a live frog into a boiling pan of water because he'll jump out. Instead, you put him in the pan with cool water and then you begin to heat the water while he's in the pan. And he grows accustomed as the temperature increases. He just continues to grow accustomed to it. And eventually he's boiled to death. Kind of like us with hot tubs. You jump into the hot tub and it's hot right away. But then all of a sudden, it's cold. You're, you're, you're comfortable. And then you begin to get chilled. The temperature hasn't changed. But we have grown accustomed to that change. We know that the Jews were captives here and I already brought out that it could be that Esther would have been disqualified from this beauty pageant if uh, it were known that she was a Jew we know back in the book of Exodus that the Pharaoh wanted to have all of the Jewish babies Jewish male babies killed yet Moses was put into the ark and put into the river and the daughter of Pharaoh found him and knew that he was a Jewish baby but they kept that a secret. And Moses was raised as an Egyptian until he was old enough to know and understand the difference. His identity had been hidden even from his own people. The truth here is we don't know. But Esther and Mordecai allowed fear to overrule their faith. 
I believe that they simply were ashamed to be called Jews and lacked the faith that God would protect them. And this in itself is the very simplest form of idolatry. It's putting yourself in front of God. As I was dealing with that that young man, I wasn't worried about me. I was more worried about him. If I'd been worried about me, I'd have just simply left the doors locked, left all the lights off, and stayed in bed and let him wander off and do whatever he wanted to do. We could have come out the next morning and found him laying next to the car dead. That wouldn't have changed my, wouldn't have affected my life any different. But it sure changed his. But Esther's been taken in. In any case, she's been taken into the palace and now she's waiting her turn. Even with all the favor that Esther had been shown already, she still had to wait her turn to be, to be presented to the king. Now this tells me that this wasn't strictly a beauty contest. Because at this point, if she was so beautiful, they would have just rushed her in and said, yep, this is the one. There, there's all the rest of them are way too ugly. This is the one. But it also goes back to what I feel is the remorse that the king had over Vashti. I believe here that he was diligently searching to replace the queen, not just for beauty beyond all others, but for a companion, for someone that he could spend time with. I believe this also points a little bit to the character of Esther. That she was not just a beauty, but she had other things to offer. Something in her character set her apart from the rest. And it, it's interesting how often uh, those that are away from God still have godly character and character traits. Some of the most compassionate people, compassionate and loving, morally upstanding people that I've ever met have wanted nothing to do with God. Yet they spend their life serving others. But finally, it's Esther's turn to go in before the king. And the Bible tells us that she made quite the impression. In the tenth month of the seventh year of the king's reign, Esther was presented before the king for judgment. The Bible tells us in verse 15 that she required nothing extra from what she had already been given. And she obtained favor in the sight of all that looked on her. In verse 17, the Bible tells us that the king loved Esther above all women. She obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. And he chose her to be queen. To be queen. Now, this is a great place for us to understand that this is one of the few times that I think the king does show any resemblance to God. In the fact that Esther went in just as she was with what she already had. She didn't require fancy clothes. She didn't require jewelry. She didn't require a parade of elephants and camels and a genie. She just went in as she was. God in his love and his care for us seeks us where we are. So many that I've talked to, they, they, wanna, they want to purify themselves 
before they go in. Now, the king made all of the women spend 12 months purifying themselves to prepare to meet him. This is where that very brief glimpse of God disappears. But God takes us just as we are. You don't get healthy to go to the doctor. You go to the doctor when you're sick. You go to the Savior because you're in need, not because you're righteous, not because you're holy on your own. We're not to spend 12 months purifying ourselves. We are to go to God and let God purify us because He is the only one that can truly make us clean. He's the only one that can get all the grease and grime out from underneath the fingernails. All those little traces that give evidence of who we are. And the king is overjoyed. He decides it's time for another another feast. Now, if there's an excuse, this is a good excuse. He's found his bride. He's found his queen. This is a good time to have a feast. I would venture to say that this queen is going to be far better than the previous one. The Bible tells us that the king made a release for all the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. He didn't just have the feast in Shushan and let it all be, but he sent press releases to all of his provinces. And my weird mind wonders, I wonder if they recognize the name. If any of the Jews in Jerusalem recognize the name as they're understanding what's going on. Obviously, there weren't any photos back then. I doubt it, since Esther's Jewish name was Hadassah, but the king is happy. He's overjoyed. The Lord, as we come to him and it's not just the king that's overjoyed it's the whole host of heaven now I do want to again take a minute to remind us that this whole situation is very possible to still have been brought on by Satan especially since God has been left out of all of this book and all of Esther and Mordecai's lives up to this point The king, as a picture of Satan, has orchestrated all of this and there's been deceit on both sides. The only way for us to truly know that something is of God is to seek his face and get the answer from him before we begin. And this is important because as we talked about this morning, There are two paths in life. There's the broad way that leads through the the wide gate that goes to destruction. And there's the narrow way that leads through the straight gate that goes to life. Well, that narrow way isn't just a pathway. It's hard. It's difficult. Sometimes we get in the middle of whatever we're in and we realize that we're just clinging to the side of the cliff even though we are right where God wants us to be. I mean, go back to the book of John. We saw the disciples 
go across. Christ said, go to the other side. They get in the boat, they go to the other side, and all of a sudden they're in the middle of a storm. One of the worst storms they've ever been in. A storm that has seasoned fishermen afraid. Clinging on for dear life, thinking the boat's going to sink. If we get to that point and we don't know that this is the path that God has sent us on, we're going to fall. At best, we're going to freeze and not be able to move. It's in these times that the knowledge of knowing that this is where God has us, that God sent us here, that God is working in all of this, allows us by faith to give Him the reins of our lives and to place our feet where they need to be, to show us where the next step is, the step that's going to hold us up, that firm foundation that we need. That can only occur if we already know that we're doing what God wants us to do.